reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 13th chapter of the Gaming Verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky soil, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell on thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil, and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Continuing in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the soul. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the Lord of wealth choke the word. And it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The word of God, the people of God. A soul went out to sow. That part makes sense because that's what sowers do, right? They sow. The purpose of a sower is to bring seed and soil together to make a plant. If one would reap fruit as part of the plant, then one must plant the seed that will germinate and grow plants. That's how it works. Of course, today, we would expect any decent sower of seeds to be efficiency driven cost-driven to get their fruit to market at the best possible price. That's how we do it today. Farmers use GPS systems to drive their tractors in the field. They have seed drills attached to the back of it that place one seed at a time at a perfect depth in the soil and a perfectly straight line at just the right distance apart. So that the plant can grow to its fullest maturity and produce as much seed as possible. In the modern view, there's no room for wasted seed. There's no new, no need for extravagant broadcasting of seed. We don't do that anymore. Pour it into our tunic, lift up our tunic, and walk around and throw it. If we had gotten the chance to observe Jesus' sower at work, 
we would have noticed that he was indiscriminate and seemingly wasted. Just throwing it everywhere like he didn't care. Just willy-nilly chopping something here, chopping something there. Landing on the path of his feet. Rather than placing each one carefully in just the right soil, at just the right depth, at just the right distance apart, he's just chunking it in. Hard, compacted soil, rocky soil, briar-infested soil, and good soil, they all receive seed from Jesus' soil. And we would go, hey, buddy, don't do that. You're wasting money, you're wasting seed, you're throwing away your effort. Don't throw it on the path. The birds will just come and get it. That doesn't make sense. It'll go to nothing. Don't throw it in the rocks. Why are you doing that? Stop. We would be tempted to take away the seeds from that goober and do it ourselves. He's wasting effort, not to mention money. Those seeds won't be there to take root. The place is just going to burn up. And then we'll see the worst of it. Rather than walk a suitable distance from the head, run and walk it right beside it. Just throw the seed everywhere. Rather than go around the briar patch, it goes right through the middle of it. He doesn't care where it lands. He's just happily chucking seed everywhere he can chuck it. And the strategies of it would be appalling to us. We can surely stop it. But then finally, we can see something that makes sense. We see him walk by that corner of the field that's bottom land. We see him walk by that right spot and just really lay it on thick there. We see him throw it. And we say, that makes sense. That's where you should be playing. You should do it there. You'll get a good crop there. Well, I suspect that Jesus' disciples were amazed at this parable. Every kind of soul he mentioned could be found in the field. There were no John Deere factories to rototill everything up to a nice fine little pulp. No guidance systems, no seed drills. He did it the way it was to be done. He got his hands into the good seed and broadcast, hoping that some would fall on his soil. Jesus' point to us today is that the seed of the word of the kingdom of heaven is being broadcast, that it's being chunked everywhere by God. God is an extravagant sower who sowed in the strength of love. God doesn't go around whole reaching out to those who will respond. C.H. Dodd is a scholar that gets quoted a lot about this parable. And he says that the purpose of a parable is to tease your mind into active thought. To get you to wondering, where do I fit in? Where does God fit in? What's it really about? Thinking actively about the behavior of this sower will reveal a God who wants the good news of the kingdom to be heard by everyone. Even those who might not respond by the way. Or even ever. Active thought about this parable can lead us to wonder what type of soul we are. Or even if we might be all four types at once. Hard in some ways, rocky in some ways, shallow soil, thorn-infested soil, worried about this world, worried about what we have, or even good soil, or even that we can be those things all at once. Jesus told this parable to people who were willing to hear and people who wanted to kill him. He told them so that they could hear his words and ponder them in his heart, 
that they would become part of how they understood God and how they understood themselves. And this parable, one of his more famous ones, is about both. But first, it's about the soul. It's about our life. Its beginning tells us that when Jesus says, listen, a sower went out to sow. He didn't say, listen, there were four types of soils. He makes the sower follow. The parable is about the soul. The soul played a role. But the primary actor is the one who sows the seed. The one who broadcasts the seed. Just chucking it in. And even we know today that the role of a sower is to bring seed and soil together. The sower can be understood to be God the Father who sows the Son into this world, who sent His Son to bear fruit, be planted in the soil of the earth and to spring forth and bring new life. The sower can also be understood to be God the Son. Jesus was an active sower. He was bringing soul and seed together as He walked around and spoke the Word of God to people. As He walked around this particular corner of God's creation and spoke of the coming year of the kingdom of God in Himself. Those were His words. Those were His seed that He planted. In verse 23, chapter 4 of this gospel, Jesus is quoted as saying to people, that he, Mark Daniel tells us that he went throughout Galilee. The whole region, not just certain places where they would hear him, but the whole region Jesus went to. Teaching in their synagogues, teaching in the streets, on the lakeside, in front of houses, wherever people would listen, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven. He didn't just go where people would respond, he went everywhere. He went throughout the region. Even the places where they would want to throw it off a cliff when he was finished. How many of you would like to come to a family reunion and they scoop you up and take you out and throw you off the dam? That's what happened at Jesus' family reunion in Nazareth. And lastly, here in this current age of the kingdom of God and the church, we can understand the summer and be God the Holy Spirit working in us. As we broadcast seed here in this world, as we go around sharing the good news of the kingdom of God coming to Christ, we too are broadcasting seeds. Growing out of our hands the good news that God is at work in the world. Through us, God continues to broadcast seed. The extravagant song of the seed of life and hope. We are the body of Christ in the world. His hands and His feet. Continually throwing seed. And Christ continues to be present to And to do so. Dear ones, that's what was happening for seven days in a town called Pendleton, South Carolina. The church was sowing seed. From June 29th to July 5th, God used two adults and seven young men from Adam and I met this church and some other 100 young men and women to broadcast seed, to broadcast the word of the kingdom of God and the lives of ten homeowners who might not have heard it otherwise. Ten people who were in desperate need of good news. They were people in need of any act of kindness or any act of love that might come their way. 
without regard to whether or not they might show up at a church, without regard to whether or not they might respond. Our young men and women were put to work by God, spreading the word, spreading the seeds of life and hope, spreading the seed of God indiscriminately. A true sign of God's extravagant and unconditional love and care for every human being. Through that soft hatchet camp, our loving God is bringing together the seed of the gospel and the soil of hurting human hearts. People who believe the world has forgotten and didn't care to live The extravagant love of the soul was on display in our young people. The extravagant love for those hearts who were hardened by life that they can't immediately respond. God loves them anyway and so his word into their lives anyway. Extravagant love for those hearts that are not quite prepared for the seed to take full root. But God still came. And so the seeds of hope in their lives. Extravagant love for those whose hearts are so choked by the cares and temptations of this world that they can't even take care of themselves. God still came to them. And our young people and so seeds of hope in their lives. Extravagant love for those who hear the word and respond. And God came to them as well through our young people. And I saw the tears of happiness knowing that God loved as they hung hug our young people as they left them for the last time. It can be easy for us to become discouraged that only one in four people that we teach or preach might respond to the gospel. But God continues to broadcast. God continues to use us to spread the seed of hope. It can be tempting for us to want to be exactly when we reach out in the name of Christ. I was sitting in a district congregational board of congregational development and heard someone say, no, we should plant a church over here because those people are more And I was shocked. God calls us to be indiscriminate in who we reach out to. Not to wonder, will they come to church? Will they give to the church? Are they like us? Can we invite a person of a different race? Will people leave if someone who doesn't look like us come? When people get mad, why do folks don't like how someone dresses? Can we still invite them? And the answer to all those questions, dear one, is God wants us to bring everyone. And we can see that because God in this story throws the seed of hope and life into everything. I think that Jesus is using this parable to explain why so many people responded to him about wanting to kill him. But also to help us understand that it won't always be easy. That there won't always be fruit. But in the end, there will be fruit beyond our imagination. Keep throwing seed, not to give up. To keep on sharing the gospel. We're called to join our God in broadcasting the good news of Jesus Christ. To share the extravagant love. That gives hope to those who think that the world has passed over them and no longer cares for them. That they don't care if they live or die. Just this week, I heard a story of a man who told someone in our church, one day you will find me here dead because no one cares about me. 
someone from our church loved that person and cared for them. We had the dignity of knowing that someone would come. But others had considered him unworthy of hearing the good news, unworthy of stopping, unworthy of caring for there were the last few people who shared the word of God extravagantly, who shared the love of God extravagantly, who are bold in doing so. I hope that as you hear the words of our young people, that you will remember that you too are called to be a broadcaster of the seed of the kingdom of heaven. You too are called to be one who chunks seed willingly, loving others, and caring for others. We're not called to carefully choose the whom and where we tell the good news, just to tell it. And to show it. And to live it. All the while trusting that Christ's word is true, that our God is an extravagant soul, and that there will be a heart, there will be a beautiful. Sowing extravagantly is the way of our God and the way that we are called. Listen to the words that I know.
Smith guy, um, he was talking about finding some weird stuff outside of the weird stuff, and he was talking about that. But it was just, it was really great. Um, we didn't have the hard side, we were on carpet, and some, just some yard work, basically, um, and fixing a hole in the wall. It wasn't hard, but we found out that our side wasn't made for us to work. We were there for, to talk to Charles, to love on him, and to love on each other because we all needed it so much. Um, it, and Shane, my brother's from uh, we didn't get those of his house, as much as you know. That was really hard for me as well, going about my brother. Um, but he came right in. Uh, he actually built on our site in the room, and then after lunch, um, he did. He ran around to the different sites and Catherine had to look around and show him all the sites, let him see everybody. He went to our bonfire this Friday night and um, he, it was good. It was really great having him there that night. Um, it just wasn't the same without him there. Um, but thank you all so much for all your support. You always are awesome. Uh, and I can't wait for you back again. Yeah. So, uh, I was on the side of the, the Bible State Army and Brandon. Um, this year's song, last year's song, actually was real, like, I never been uh, a follower of Christ before I've never been, like, a true believer before. Well, actually, was a big guy before, and a big, uh, and this year I felt as if I was a um, changer for others, I guess, if that's how it said that. Uh, so, after the um, I, uh, we, we have these symbols that we're supposed to use this song, actually, that shows this huge nail. I don't have a word with this big. It's about this long, and uh, Mr. Charles Mercer, our site had this couch that was super low. And he's a tall guy, he's six feet, but he's always scooped over. So he couldn't get off this couch as easy as he could. So he wanted me to go outside, take these huge pieces of blocks of wood that are about, they're four by fours, and they had six of them nailed together with a big long nail. So that would be like 12 inches of nail. So <laughs> it took me two hours to take one nail out of each one of these. And once I finally took out the nail, and I realized that it was this super, this crazy metaphor for Sawhatchee and my second year Sawhatchee. Uh, but let me know that as God pulls my nails out of me, I am lifting up others. I am lifting up these people into God, taking their nails out. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely great. I love every single one of you, and I thank all the rookies for going. It was great. Thanks. Alright, so this is my first year of song, actually, as you can tell. I'm a little sick, but it was a great year, and I'm excited with Bobby Bryant. And our first Mr. Charles, 
we got to really know him really well. And one of the things was like he made a really bad decision when he was 19 years old. He was drunk and on the hills driving. And you know, your parents always tell you like don't drink and drive, don't do drugs. But seeing how that affected him, his whole life had him on wheels, on student council, played three sports at the state champions, I think, one year, basketball. And just the one decision the one night just ruined his life. He was in the world for 20 years and can't do others and have the access to his right hand. So I really did home, but I decided we were able to bond really well on the stuff about each other. I know we do stuff about Bobby.
Close our worship by singing Hymn of Promise number 707. 